Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Melvin Gaines, and of course, this Sunday School is for anyone who wants to join us as well, too. It's not just for our church, so we welcome anyone who is not a member of our church to join us for Sunday School because, hey, Sunday School is important as far as I'm concerned. I appreciate you very much. We're going to go ahead and get started with a little bit of music to allow people to jump on with us and uh, participate. It's uh, Jonathan Butler, uh, one of the old standards, old favorites. Why? That's why we praise him. So here goes Jonathan Butler, and we welcome everyone who's jumping on with us, including Miss Laura. Good morning. Arlen, good morning. Crossing our fingers. Cindy Phillips, good morning. Uh, that's why we praise him by Jonathan Butler. <laughs> Amen. I know he keeps saying it, right? <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Hey, Roscoe, good morning. Thanks for being here. Live stream Sunday school. Jonathan Butler. Amen. <clears throat> Clorinda, good morning. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. Ronnie, good morning. Charles and Joanna, good morning. Good morning. Make sure the coffee cup lid is on nice and tight before you start drinking. Lisa, good morning. <laughs> Lisa, good morning. Angie, I know you're back there somewhere. Good morning. <laughs> amen, amen. No better time than the present to give praise to our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, good morning. Live stream Sunday school. Thanks for being here this morning. Amen. Amen. Brother Nate, good morning. Nate and Marnell, and maybe Terry in the background. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us while we listen to Mr. Jonathan Butler. That's why we praise him. I think that might do it. I think we would have been off the air before <laughs> by now. <laughs> Give the credit where credit is due. Up front. Yeah, well, we do, we do it every week. But it's just like, you know, I really think it's controlled by the artist. I think the artist puts something in there that says, because Jonathan Butler, we've played this before, we haven't had any problems, so we're just making sure. That's right. Bride is looking at me and blinking. 
Yes. Good morning, good morning. Oh, from Marnell and Nate. Okay. Very good. Good morning. It's another beautiful Sunday. Windy Sunday, though. But it's beautiful. Amen. Arlen, I want you to try and pull some strings so you see, uh, get to see uh, if Jonathan Butler can come to our church and perform. Yeah. <laughs> pull some strings. Call your friends. We know you got friends. Friends of friends. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That was, uh, that is, Jonathan Butler. That's why we praise him. Well, you know, hey, Arlen, you know, I, I know you got friends somewhere, so it's worth a shot, right? I mean, come on, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm in one of those moods today. It's a it's a great Sunday. It's sunny outside. It's very pleasant. It's very beautiful. That's the problem. It's and been two days of sun. A couple of days of sunshine. Look at me now. I turn loopy about it. Uh, but thank you for being here again this morning. We are uh, loving the fact that it's Sunday morning and we can get back before the Lord and listen to Him speak to us about a very important topic, uh, biblical inerrancy. And we're going to continue in our study with them. Um, Maybe Angie. <laughs> uh, we're going to continue with uh, uh, our subject on biblical inerrancy and talk about um, a very important aspect of it as well, too, in continuing and looking more about uh, what the Lord has provided for us, what he has given to us through the Bible, what the Bible really represents. But first, before we do that, we have a couple of announcements to make sure that we uh, put across to you guys. Um, first of all, Following Sunday School on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Timeline, there will be uh, a message, pre-recorded message, called The Next Level. And that's a message that I have uh, written and I'll be presenting. And uh, that will be available immediately on the timeline after Sunday School. For those of you in Akron going to church, well, I'll be presenting that message live at the church uh, after the praise team sings when I, when I have to get down there, of course. Uh, so pray for that as well. <laughs> but uh, we'll be there, uh, and we'll get uh, get going with that. So that's uh, right after Sunday school. Uh, look forward to that for those of you who are staying uh, staying with us online. Um, in addition to that, and that's just part of our church experience. We want to make sure that we have a church experience for anybody who cannot get to church for what, for whatever reason. Um, remember our our friend Bev Parkman, who is in rehab and she's doing well, um, but she won't be able to come to church today. So. Uh, we'll keep her in prayer as well uh, for her recovery, and just uh, keep that in mind as well. Um, also, um, please remember your tithes and offerings. We we don't ever want to neglect mentioning that because it is important to remember those things, and making sure that you're uh, giving to the church as well too, because the church has to operate. Um, if you are mailing your tithes and offerings, please send them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road. Akron, Ohio, 44320. That is the um, address for mailing your tithes and offerings. For those of you who are coming to church, of course, the offering box will be in the lobby when you come into the building. Uh, please make a note of that as well, too. 
And I think for a little while longer, we're still doing the uh, COVID protocols at church. So please keep that in mind as we, uh, as you come to, to church and worship with us. Uh, we appreciate you being there nonetheless for the fellowship time. Okay, that's the, looks like I've covered everything I wanted to cover as far as announcements go. Um, again, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you joining us. Tell your friends and family members if they are uh, going to churches that don't have Sunday school and they want to participate in Sunday school, we are here for you for that purpose. We will be here, and we'll be here for the foreseeable future. Uh, we'll be doing Sunday school online, so we appreciate your being here. Um, and I think that does cover everything. Um, and just making sure, too, that especially now in, in this time that we're living in, we really, really need to ma- remain focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and part of the message today is going to talk about that. Uh, it's going to be very, very important for us to keep doing those things. Um, it's very, very tempting to look at what happens in the world today and what is going on in the world today and think that we're near the end of uh, end times, the end of the end times. I'm going to challenge you that it's not, we're not quite there yet. We're getting closer, of course. Every day that goes by, we're a day closer, but we need to understand that if you look at what Scripture says and what uh, biblical prophecy says, we have a few more things that have to take place before we start really having to be concerned about that. But until that time, pray that the Lord will continue to give you wisdom, guidance, and knowledge, and pray for those people around you who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we need to be praying for, and focus on that. Yes. What he said this morning. There are no warning signs for the rapture. It just happened. That's right. David Jeremiah just did say um, that, you know, the rapture that we read about in Thessalonians, there are no warning signs that lead up to the rapture. It just it, happens. It just happens. And, and that's a very, very interesting point. Something I had not considered before, but it's very, very true that it's much more important for us to be focused on Jesus at this very moment and praying for those who do not know him. Because and don't wait to get saved because the rapture will happen in the in the twinkling of an eye. I believe is the the expression in Scripture. It happens very quickly, and of course, you know, after the rapture, what happens is we start looking at greater tribulation uh, that takes place. So we need to understand that these things are indeed going to happen because Scripture dictates it. This goes all back to this biblical inerrancy thing, doesn't it? It talks about how things are going to happen, things have been prophesied, things have been discussed, and we need to understand that God's word has been filtered down to the people who recorded it, and we're going to look at that in a little bit greater detail as we do this. Jackie, Gregory, good morning. Thank you for being here. God bless you. We love having each and every one of you with us today. And for those of you who I can't see your names, uh, thanks for being here. God bless you. And let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer as we move into session number five on our topic of biblical inerrancy. And it's specifically about inspiration. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you have set aside for us to seek after you and listen to you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your very presence. We thank you, Lord, for the reassurance of your word as well, too. You have assured us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You have assured us that you love us more than we can ever conceive of uh, in our own ways of thinking, in our own ways of understanding. 
And Lord, we just want to love you in such a manner where we have greater understanding of you. We know that by loving you, we are keeping your commands. And we thank you for that reminder as well, too. Help us to remain obedient to your word. Help us to remain focused on what you have to say to us. Help us to remain focused on resisting those things that would cause us to sin. We thank you that your word will help us so that we don't sin. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, We're continuing in the study of biblical inerrancy, and we are going to be looking specifically at inspiration. Uh, inspiration, in other words, the writing down of the scriptures. Amen. I mean, that's what this is all about. It's continuing in the Bible study by Dr. Bill Bill McRae, who went through. He's going through the historical process on how we are looking at how God's word was. Uh, of course, it was His words. Uh, it was His thoughts that are being captured by the people who are writing these things down. And so now we're going to get to this area of inspiration. And this isn't that hard to conceptualize, I think, if you really think about it. But we need to make sure that one of the arguments that has been made about what takes place with um, the challenges to the Bible are, well, it's just a bunch of guys who wrote uh, their own thoughts and words down. Well, that's partially true. And I'm going to challenge you to think about it from the standpoint that uh, it is not completely that at all. So let's go through this in a little bit more detail. Um, because God gives us brains and minds to think, amen? He gives us these, this ability to conceive, especially when the Spirit is involved and gives us information. So this is part of the historical process. We just want to get, you can't get too deep into it because it, it requires a lot more than probably is what is required for us to need. But after the truth of God was revealed to the mind of the author, when we were talking about the author, who are the writers in the, Old Testament. We're talking about Moses. We're talking about David. We're talking about um, Samuel. We're referring to uh, all the different people who. Well, Samuel didn't write, did he? I don't think Samuel did. I take that back. Um, I, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, yeah. The minor prophets. The minor prophets. You're correct. Um, I, I have to make sure that I, I. I have to go back and look at the Samuel as far as authorship is concerned, just to be sure. I know David was involved, of course, with that. Um, but let's not get let's not get caught up in that. Let's keep moving forward. So the author was writing down the thoughts, the truth of God revealed to the mind of the author was writing it down on a piece of paper. It was written down in the original Hebrew, of course, in the uh, from the Old Testament or the original Greek for the New Testament, which we all know about, we've heard about. And that gap from the mind of the author to writing it down on paper is bridged as the doctrine of inspiration. Inspiration is what we're referring to here. So let's just look at what inspiration is. It is inspiration that takes us from the mind of Paul to the original writing of that first epistle to the, first, to the Corinthians, namely 1 Corinthians. Uh, first of all, a definition of inspiration. Let's look at a definition. Now, if, if we look at what it, what it is to be inspired, we, that's part of it, uh, but we need to go a little bit deeper than that. So if we go back to Dr. Ryrie, Dr. Ryrie, the one who we read about who has, you know, like Ryrie Study Bible, that same Dr. Ryrie, he has a definition, and I've seen that quoted more than once. Robert Jeffress actually used it, uh, Lynn, just so you know, too, in one of his own studies, uh, this very same definition. 
uh, it's very, very helpful. It's very, very helpful for us to understand when we look at what he's defining. So inspiration has been defined as God superintending, superintending the human authors so that using their own individual personalities, of course, they weren't robots, they weren't in a trance, they use their own vocabulary, they use their own background, they use their own experience, using their own individual personalities, they composed and recorded without error his revelation in the words of the original manuscripts. That is what is meant by inspiration. Now, let me cover real quick that word superintending, God superintending. Well, the first word that comes to mind for most of us when we hear the word superintending is like a superintendent at a school, uh, the head of the school, the person who is in charge of everything. That person is responsible for all the schools, all the school uh, the areas in the, within that district, all the principals, all the people who are in charge at those locations. The superintendent is in charge of everything. He is essentially the overseer, and he's the one who has control over all of those, uh, those schools. And so God superintending certainly fits this particular definition. He is the one who has control over his word, how it is projected, how it is to be uh, written down and recorded. And he is the one that had to provide the inspiration for the individual human authors to be able to convey this word. But he did so not to take over their bodies or take over anything about them or their minds. He used their minds, their personalities, to record the information. And that's what we need to take away from this. We need to see that. When we, we pray often here in this household for inspiration, and uh, ultimately that inspiration has to come from who? God himself. God is the one who has to give or orchestrate direction. Whenever I write messages, whenever my lovely bride is composing artwork, he has to be the one who provides the creation, the, the information for us to do the creation. And so that's the inspiration that we're referring to. But he's doing what? He's using our personalities. He's using our abilities to do those things. And that would be true for anybody in this position. Pastor Gus, anybody, whoever is involved with composing or putting forth God's word, writing out this information, that's exactly what God does for us. It's an amazing thing if you really consider it. First of all, he created us um, with our personalities. That We are his creation. He is simply using us, his creation, to convey his words, his messages to others for the purposes of what? The Holy Spirit giving wisdom and understanding and greater knowledge of who he is. And he is to be praised and glorified for that. So let's continue in this. It was not then like listening to Handel's Messiah and getting up and saying, Boy, that really inspires me. Or it wasn't like listening to a very dynamic sermon and saying, boy, that was inspiring this morning. Um, it's not like standing in front of a sunset and saying, my, doesn't that inspire you? That's not the way we're using the word. It's, not, it's a totally different use of the word than what we just described here. When we're speaking of inspiration, theologically, we are speaking of God superintending Paul in such a way that as he wrote that first letter in the original manuscript, he was being superintended by God, by the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Spirit. The Spirit has to be the one to convey information for us to write it down, record it, put it together, and based upon... Have, remember when you hear, it, like, some, for example, for some sermons or messages, 
you'll hear uh, some people will come up and say, God really spoke to me that day. God really had something to say to me. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. You have to understand something. That is a very, very common thing that takes place. These words are not falling to the floor. Amen. If you are listening to the Spirit and, and the words are being conveyed at any given moment, depending upon when that message is being conveyed, God really speaks to people. He really is doing that, a work in those individuals to help to encourage them, to, to give them what they need, to move them forward, to bring them out of depression, all the things that help people to be able to cope and function. That's exactly what the inspiration of God's word is and what it does for the people. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing it. So now we got to get back to the biblical inerrancy piece of this. What Paul wrote, what Moses wrote, what Isaiah wrote, it's all correct. It was accurate. It was based upon what God had revealed to the minds of those people. It was what was written that was, is then inspired. It is not the man, although sometimes we refer, refer to that. We might say the inspired apostle. Well, that's not necessarily correct. We don't want to give too much credit to Paul. But certainly Paul had wisdom, and he was relying upon God, though, to write down what was being recorded. He wrote what was inspired. God superintended him so that what he wrote was an accurate composition record of what he had revealed to the mind of the author. So this is a matter of faith, absolutely, for us to believe something like this because we want to believe that people just kind of go off on their own and write things. But I'm going to challenge you with something too. When it comes to certain books, poetry, music, a lot of different things that we are exposed to, um, those things can very well come directly from the Lord and be inspired by the Lord for people to record and write down. And we, we also know that there's other pieces of literature where they're not inspired by God. We know that too. We, we know that it comes directly from the individual. They're not relying upon God to write anything. But I would like to believe that we could tell the difference <laughs> because the Spirit will give us wisdom to be able to see the difference in these things. And the Bible certainly is God's Word being inspired to the people who recorded it. So let's look at the evidences of this inspiration, just to make sure that we're moving along and not losing time. So let's look at some evidence of it. There are two different categories of evidence for this inspiration. First of all, there's specific evidence, and then there's some general evidence, which is something that we'll look at right now. Uh, I want you to look. I want to look at some specific evidence. Let's take a look at a couple of verses. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And we're focusing on Paul because Paul is what we're kind of focusing on here because of the different passages involved here. Because we're in the New Testament uh, looking at Paul's writings, and he had a number of them uh, in the letters that were written, uh, those epistles that we always talk about. But 2 Timothy 3.16 is an important verse. Now, i got to tell you something. When I look at 3.16, and I'm, I'm not playing games with numbers right now, but we, we recognize that John 3.16 is probably one of the more well-quoted verses, but look at 2 Timothy 3.16, and I got it, and, and 3.16, and, uh, and and I think my wife included uh, verse 17 there, that's fine, um, but, but ultimately, let's look at what it says uh, when we look at this passage. This talks about specific evidence involving direct or indirect statements in the Bible. This is Paul's testimony that we're reading about here. 
2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. This is the New Living Translation. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I love that passage. That that may be very well a memory passage for us. I think we I think it would be appropriate because we need to be reminded of what God's word truly does. What is the purpose of his word? You're learning about what the purpose of God's word is right here in this passage. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Amen and amen. That's exactly what it does. Um, and so, you know, other passages, depending upon what versions you're reading or looking at, it may say that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's also another uh, way of reading Second Timothy 3.16. But the key words are the first part of this verse. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word translated inspiration of God literally means God breathed. God breathed. Um, when God said, um, basically he breathed out during his creation uh, and spoke, and those things that he spoke about came into being because of his very words. God breathed is a is pretty much the same thing. We could literally say all scripture is God breathed. Is that not very graphic? Is not does not not get to the point. So what Paul wrote as he was writing this first letter to the Corinthians in this first manuscript was that God breathed the very words that he was recording. And it's a very clear indication of the inspiration of the Bible. We, we always are reminded about how the Bible, all 66 books, point back to Jesus Christ, who was there from the very beginning. He was there in, and during the time of creation, the creation as we understand it. Because you have to remember, there was a time before our existence where the universe existed. The earth was uh, without form uh, and void and nothing had happened. But God was there in the presence, in, in the present at that point, and basically said, it's now time for man to be created and it's time for us to uh, have our existence so we understand that he is the one who is breathing and he is the one who has been uh, forever present the second verse i want you to take a look at here is in second peter go now to second peter second peter chapter one verse 20 second peter chapter one verse 20 And let's add verse 21, <laughs> because that's that's essentially what we need to do here, because I think we need to have a complete uh, sentence. Because second verse 20 does, it does say what needs to be said, but verse 21 needs to also include what is also there as well for context. Okay, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. This is also, again, the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your Bibles. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. That's in verse 21. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Now, that's Peter speaking here. And so Peter is giving us this information. 
And it's also good for us, again, we're talking about memorizing certain verses. This is also a good verse to memorize as well, too, because we need to have this information for us to be able to understand uh, if we're talking to someone about the Bible being true or if we're talking to someone about the Bible being the word to rely upon, you can unequivocally say absolutely. The lives of people have been changed because of the Bible. God has inspired us through the words of Scripture. Now, we need to understand that Peter is saying in this particular passage, he's speaking, of course, about the inspired word of God. The word, the scriptures did not just originate with the man. No scripture, no prophecy of the scripture is private interpretation. It did not originate from the man. That's what this passage uh, is saying here. No prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. And you better believe that's the case. Of course, we recognize that there is such a thing as false prophets, people who speak, but they're speaking not of the truth of God. They're not speaking from the power of the Holy Spirit. They're speaking based upon their own uh, volition. They're speaking in such a manner where, frankly, they are looking directly at how uh, God is not involved. They're looking at how their reasoning must prevail because they want to try to get attention or something like that. But God is not involved. We are always mindful now to what does God say in response to these false prophets and false teachers. To to deny them, put them aside, um, don't follow them. Uh, If, in fact, those people are misleading people, uh, then they are going to receive their own reward, their own punishment. It's not really a reward at all. It will be a punishment. So it's very important for us to understand and not play. Don't play with God. Don't play with his words. Don't play around and do things for attention. It's not going to be a good thing for you. It's not going to end well for you when you're doing things like that. We have to understand that if prophecy, the true prophecy, indeed comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not from man. Man speaks the words, but the prophecy, the inspiration for this prophecy comes from the Holy Spirit. So this is evidence, again, in the Bible that as the holy men of God in the Old Testament wrote what God had revealed to their minds, they wrote it being moved, being really carried by the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to see. Um, There's a, a reference given in Acts chapter 27 about the sailboat that Paul was sailing on. And he, when he was going across the um, journey across the Mediterranean Sea, and in those journeys he was saying that, of course, that the that sailboat was being carried by the wind, and that is what these Old Testament were doing too. They were being carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote. Um, the Spirit carried them. They were borne along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit went with them, uh, kept going with them, was always present with them. So Peter is indicating to us that what they recorded was a result of the superintending word of God, the Holy Spirit. That's the testimony of Peter and Paul. And that would be the testimony for Moses and Isaiah and all those others, uh, all the Old Testament prophets as well, too. Um, They were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, just as a reminder, we you might remember we talked about in Matthew chapter 518 about the testimony of our Lord. That was something that, um, I'm going to go back to that real quick, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 18. And I know that 
there's, uh, let me look at the King James Version too for that, just as a reminder. Okay, so Matthew 5.18, go back to that real quick. And if you have the ability to look at the King James Version, you can, but I'll read it because the New Living Translation does summarize that passage, but I like the what the older version says because it refers to that that verse that says that not one jot, the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, like we talked about, nor one tittle, the smallest little mark that distinguishes Hebrew letters, not one of those shall ever pass until all of, of is fulfilled. It says in Matthew 5.18, I think my wife posted New Living Translation, okay, New King James Version, excuse me. Uh, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And that's a that's a very strong statement. No altering. There is not one alteration of the word. The, the word exactly as it's presented to us uh, will be what it will be fulfilled according to God Himself. And because Jesus is the one who is quoted here in this statement. Heaven and earth will not pass until all of it is accurately fulfilled. That's why I don't get too worried about what time we're living in right now. We know we're in the end times because the end times essentially started when Jesus uh, was resurrected. The end times began officially at that point, really. But we need to understand that there's so much that needs to be fulfilled in the word that hasn't been fulfilled yet, but it is going to be fulfilled. We know that that promise is coming. But we recognize that our Lord is telling us, Jesus is telling us that when David wrote, when Moses wrote, when Solomon wrote, they were writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because every single thing that they wrote down, the smallest letter was accurate. It was going to be fulfilled. That is our takeaway from here. That's what we need to understand. These testimonies, all the testimonies of all the old prophets, everything we read in Scripture are God's words being conveyed through those people who wrote them down and recorded them. And they indeed are truth. And they indeed are reliable. They indeed are exactly what we should be paying attention to. I hope you're getting this um, from the standpoint that if you've ever had questions about Scripture and what you're reading. And listen, um, the, the enemy... Uh, Satan does not want you to rely upon the Bible at all. He, he, Satan wants you to say or question in your own mind the accuracy of the Bible. Well, you know, everybody else got their hands on it and someone wrote something that was false. Someone wrote something that wasn't true. Well, you know what? It gets down to a point where you're going to have to have faith and trust that what you're reading is true because that's ultimately what it comes down to. Believing in something requires faith and requires that you recognize it for what it really is. How has the Bible survived after literally hundreds and thousands of years? How is it, uh, when I say thousands, a couple thousand, and how, how has the Bible survived over time? How are we talking, how do we have the text from the original writings? How do we have this, this still functioning today? And let me share something else with you, too, that's very important. A lot of other people around the world are recognizing the Bible is what we need to be running to whenever there's trouble. Guess what there's a shortage of right now in the Ukraine? Bibles. People have bought Bibles up to the point where they're sold out. And you need to understand that you would hate to think that that would be what would be triggering people to get into, get before the Lord and get a greater understanding of his word. But we need to understand that sometimes the Lord does that very thing to get people involved. But 
there's a shortage of Bibles right now in the Ukraine because we have people who are hungering for truth, hungering to hear God speak to them. So we need to recognize that God is speaking to us in many, many different ways. He is dealing with us, frankly, depending upon our own personalities. Uh, he's dealing with individuals. When we look at the, the book of Jonah, for example, Jonah was a very interesting personality as a preacher, and yet God had to deal with him in a very, very specific and special way to get him to do what was necessary, preach his word in a land that Jonah did not want to go to. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. So let's look at some different evidences of the general evidences of inspiration. Uh, first of all, the testimony of history. History is the greatest evidence of the inspiration of God's word. There are many men who we could bring forth that would give a testimony to the remarkable uniqueness of the Bible. Um, we have the Josephus spoke of the Jews uh, spoke of the Jews' attitude toward their own testimony. They recognize it as God's word, uh, and we've got people down all throughout history. Billy Graham. We've got all the different ministers that have been very famous um, that have proclaimed God's word before people, and. It's ultimately what they proclaim that people heard, listened, and they believed. They believed and they decided that they wanted to make a, a decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And many of the modern uh, people who speak that we see on media and on television or here on podcasts, let's not, you know, there's all different kinds of ways that God's word is being conveyed right now to Alistair Begg, um, pastors in different churches, even in this area. Uh, they're proclaiming the word, and people are hearing it and understanding it. Next, there's the testimony of influence. The influence of God's word about men and women. Um, it's very interesting. H.A. Um, Ironside was once preaching on a street corner, and an atheist passed by and challenged him to a debate. I thought this was a very interesting uh, subject here. Ironside said, yes, we'll, we'll debate under one or two conditions. He said, one of the conditions, he said, is that if you bring with you one person who will testify that his life has been changed and enriched by your and greatly blessed by your atheistic teaching, and I will bring a hundred people with me who will testify how their lives have been greatly enriched and blessed through my teaching of the word of God. Of course, that debate never materialized because um, I don't know anybody who's going to be inspired and blessed by atheistic teaching. I just don't. The atheistic teaching falls right where it stays, where that person just chooses not to believe in God's existence. And no one's going to be blessed by that. No one's going to be rewarded for that. No one is going to re recognize that they've been enriched by that or celebrated. Or celebrated. Amen. These, these are all things we need to recognize. So uh, that's a great way to respond to someone who wants to debate with you about the word. Um, are you being blessed by God's word? Amen. Has God not blessed you over and over again with his presence, with his word? You have to understand that the influence of the Bible in enriching lives and in blessing lives is one of the greatest evidences that it is the word of God. It's the true word of God. And it is an indication that it does indeed come directly from him. It's directly from God, and we have been blessed by it. The third point comes from the testimony of its preservation. The Bible has been preserved remarkably. I was kind of implying this earlier when I was speaking about it. Where did the Bible come from? How long has it been around? Um, but 
we have to understand that we can't get into every all of the illustrations, but one out of every 20 books lasts for seven years. How many books last for 500 years? Very, very few. The Bible has lasted 2,000 years in its completion from its inception for 3,500 years. Because remember, there's been a time frame for all the word that, you know, we had the Old Testament law and the prophets that existed before Jesus came. So we're talking about a preservation of the word, and that includes all of that word for over 3,500 years. The preservation of the Bible is remarkable. Um, we think about that, but we also think about how, you know, the Bible has been attacked over the years, too. It's interesting how Satan has always put forth individuals who are ready to attack the Bible and say, well, this is just a bunch of a waste of time. It's not worth getting into. Well, of course, Satan doesn't want you to get into the Bible. What do you think that means if you're in the Bible, if you're into the Bible, reading the word and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? You have no need for Satan in your life. You have no need to follow Satan. You have no need to go after him. Um, you go after the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one we are focusing on. So Voltaire, <laughs> if you want to go back into time, he said in his estimation that the Bible would last uh, for about 100 years and then it would no longer be used. That was his... <laughs> it's, all, it's a laughable thing, a statement today, right? And here's, here's someone who's going to be a very smart, right? Very wise person. But you have to understand where he's coming from with this. He's not relying upon what the Bible truly is or what it's doing. So he's made a comment, and that was the comment. Here's a funny thing. On the 100th anniversary of Voltaire writing that, <laughs> the British and Foreign Bible Society purchased his home in France <laughs> and put up a printing press that is the home in that home to print the Bible. A lot of irony when you make a statement like that, you know, Voltaire wasn't around to see that, but that's exactly what happened. They purchased his house, put a printing press in it, and that's where the Bible was being printed. So uh, surely the Bible lasted longer than 100 years that uh, Voltaire had written that, and it went much further than that. And the Bible has been preserved against all the attacks of the critics and the skeptics. I've got 12 feet of shelf space now. The Bible. The Bible. 12 feet of shelf space. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. Still. I know. It's it's it covers every it covers the entire all the writings are right there. And the beauty of the Bible and one of the things we've even talked about in Sunday school a few times around now, the times that we live in are incredible when it comes to the Bible being distributed. Of course, the the hard copy of the Bible, that's that's very important for people to get in their hands as well too. But look at the electronics of today. Many, many countries, even in Africa, Countries all over where you think it's third world, okay? They have access to iPads. They have access to iPhones. They have access to all kinds of different electronic devices. That's why I always make a big spiel about electronic devices because you can carry your Bible with you anywhere. If you've got a phone and you've got a Bible app on your phone, guess what? Your Bible goes with you everywhere. And that's true all over the world. So now we're talking about a preservation of Scripture that goes far beyond any book ever in existence and that's the important thing for us to see in here too and i haven't heard anybody say that the bible is now is not the number one selling book in the world it is still the number one selling book in the world i've never heard about anybody dethroning the bible from that um situation uh albeit even for a moment 
it, it, there may be a book that sells, but it's never going to sell the way the Bible sells. And so we need to understand that. So how do we um, conclude this? Because we need to conclude it because we've got to get, we've got to get going here. So we've got now six different lines of argument that you can use as evidences in defense of the fact that the Bible is the revealed word of God. And this is going to summarize a lot of things that we've said. The inspired word of God, uh, it goes back to, first of all, in relation to revelation with fulfilled prophecy. And then we have the unity of the Bible. We're talking about how unified it is, how it is accurate, how you can cross-reference it, how you can look at the word in one place and it's consistent with the word in another place. Even though it was written over the course of time, by different people inspired by God to write. Remember, we said we talked about the uh, 1500 years and then the 30 in, you know, and from the Old Testament times, and now you're going to the New Testament times and, and the Bible written then. It still cross references, it still cross checks to be accurate. The accuracy of the Bible in scientific and historical eras, areas, excuse me, that's another area. So now we've got the testimony of men from history, the influence of the Bible on countries and in individuals' lives, and this most recent we talked about, the amazing preservation of the Bible against all the assaults and attacks against it. So when you go back to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, as we've looked at, not one word is going to fall out of God's word that won't be fulfilled. I want to summarize it that way because I think that's important. God gave emphasis to that jot and tittle thing um, because that's essentially saying that not one letter, one word, a word within the letter, a letter within the word is altered whatsoever. Everything is exactly as it's going to come true. If it has not already been fulfilled, if it hasn't been fulfilled, it will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled according to what Jesus himself said in that passage. So we believe in the superintending work of the Holy Spirit. We believe that uh, the Bible was inspired. Uh, it's a verbal inspiration. We believe that the Bible is inspired. It's a full revelation of God um, in his word according to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. We believe the words and the plenary, which is all of the Bible, the inspiration of the Bible. We, we believe all of that. So we need to understand that this is a very, very important way for us to move forward and recognize that the Bible is indeed without error because God is the one who's providing the inspiration for it. And I pray that you continue to look at this and remember that the Bible is authoritative. What it says, it means, and what it means, it says. And that's the important thing for us to see, and it's God's inspired word that we can rely upon, that we can trust. It reveals truth to us. It helps us and corrects us to be able to make sure that we are staying faithful and having fellowship with him. It's, it reflects God's ultimate love for us, how much he has done for us to show us how much he loves us. And his word is a great indicator of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your teaching this morning about what your word has done and what it continues to do in our lives. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, without the Spirit, we could not be inspired. We could not receive your truth. Because without the Spirit, the flesh will be the one to make predictions or check things that really don't have any meaning, frankly. 
but it's you who gives us what we need at this very moment now to understand more about who you are. I pray, Lord, that your word reminds us to pray for others who do not have a saving knowledge of you. And Lord, for those of us who do have a saving knowledge of you, we pray that we can continue to grow and develop as the Spirit teaches us, as the Spirit sanctifies us as we move forward. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for Livestream Sunday School. Stay tuned online for those of you who are going to be hanging with us online today for today's message, uh, The Next Level, which will be following right here in the timeline. God bless you all and take care. And for those of you who are in Akron, I'll see you in church in a little bit. You guys take care of yourselves. Have travel mercies, of course, and we'll see you next time.